0: Beautiful. beautiful every color is powerful every color is worthy every color is worthy! He tried to bury us they didn't realize we were seeds they didn't realize we were seeds we you seeds we opened doors so others can walk through them your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Saliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Esther Molinar. Esther is a haptotherapist based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. She's living together with her partner and her seven year old daughter, Charlie. Her favorite pastime is dancing on roller skates, and she even runs a small roller skate business next to her haptotherapy practice. She's an Aries and a dragon, and describes herself as an ambitious, slightly restless woman interested in everything that involves human growth and development. Sometimes she's having a hard time juggling endless ideas and trying to find a nice life balance. In this episode, we learn about haptotherapy. We speak about the process of aging, racism as a cause of trauma that white therapists fail to acknowledge very often, and an example of Esther's life as a mom to her daughter, Charlie, when it comes to dealing with emotions. I also would like to add a correction from my side, because at the end of the recording, I'm reading a poem, and in that moment, I say that I do not know who has written the poem because I hadn't found it while we were recording it. However, I found the author of the poem, who is Laura Matisse, and I want to credit her for her beautiful words about platonic love. Beautiful people, I hope you will enjoy this episode and yeah, enjoy it. Have fun. Welcome Esther to Solve the Podcast. I'm very excited that you're here with us today and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. I'm happy to be here as well. Thank you yes. for having me. <laughs> yes, I uh, actually wanted to have you for a long, t- I mean, long time. I've been following you for a while and uh, yeah, I'm happy that it worked out. So of course, I want to know who is Esther. Share a little bit um, about yourself.
1: Yes, um so my name is Esther. I live in Amsterdam and uh, I live here with my partner Marcel and our seven-year-old daughter Charlie. She's about to be eight in January and um I work as a hypnotherapist and I love to skate. I am a dancer on roller skates. Um, that's what I really love to do. And I even have a little business on the side where I Sell uh, high end uh, dance skates. So that's me <laughs> in a yes. nutshell. In a in nutshell. A nutshell. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. And you said it, you're a haptotherapist. And of course, I can imagine as something that people have maybe never heard about or the word. Um, and I know hapto because I'm Greek comes also from touch. So yeah, you're a haptotherapist. And I would like you to share with us what is haptotherapy? Why did you decide to study it? How can it help people? So, yeah, actually, I want to hear, or we want to hear all about it.
1: Yeah, that's actually pretty nice that you uh, understand the word, because not many people know that. And it's also interesting because it originated in Holland. It's a typical Dutch uh, form of therapy. um, And um, it somehow still can be challenging to explain it uh, correctly in a short manner. But I sometimes describe it as a form of therapy that is in between being a psychologist and a physiotherapist. So what we try to do as hoptotherapists is to link body, mind and soul and or we usually say feeling, thinking and acting or doing. I don't know the, the best description for that. But um, so in order to have those things aligned, it's very important to be in touch with your thoughts but also with your feelings in your body and somehow uh for for a lot of people in western society it has become more logic to use reason the most um, and to use our heads uh, to be smart to be ambitious to be strong to uh, to know what you're doing and it can be a risk to sort of forget about how does it feel. Uh, we tend to ignore the symptoms that our bodies uh, can give us. So we could be overworked. We could have like heavy shoulders or headaches coming up, or I don't know, maybe relationships not going so well. And yeah, you could visit a therapist in order to reconnect to, uh, to you. To your body, to your feelings, and also to reconnect in your relationships. So this is, um, yeah, my way of trying to describe it. Maybe it's it it will make more sense if I tell a little bit about how a session would look like. That would have been my next question. Yeah, because this is still a a little bit vague, right? Yeah, Uh, I mean, a lot of therapists will uh, try to achieve those things for clients. Um, So. For example, this is a, like a, a small example, but what if someone comes to me and they have issues with um, stating their boundaries, for example, in the workplace? So what I could do in one of those sessions is we would change the positions in the room opposed to each other. And um, I will ask that person, like, how does it feel when I'm standing here? Or how does it feel when I'm standing closer or behind you or next to you? And usually someone who's not so alert about their bodily s- signals, they will say, oh, it's fine, sure, uh, I can handle it, nothing wrong. Uh, but when you actually come closer to the person, they will start to feel that it's too close, like the hearth will go faster, or they will have like a, a heavy feeling on the chest, or I don't know, maybe uh, a light feeling in their legs, and they will not notice these things because they're not used to being aware of those signals. And I try to ask the right questions in order to help them get in touch with those signals and make them realize maybe you are standing too close. Even though if my mind tells me that it's okay, like the the rational mind will say, oh, she won't mean any harm or, well, the session is over in, in one hour, so how bad can it be? Right. You start to rationalize, um, and ignoring those, those signals. So I try to help that person to, to make space for those signals and become more aware of that maybe it doesn't feel good. And maybe you can actually say to me, well, you're standing too close. It doesn't feel good. Can you maybe step, take a step back? And this translates to the workplace or it translates to personal relationships where people tend to ignore these very important signals. The the signals of the feeling, like feeling like you're standing too close or you're asking me this and I think I should do it, but I actually don't feel like doing it.
0: Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, very much, very much. Or maybe also I don't dare, right? To say that this is uncomfortable for me. Yeah, so sometimes people don't
1: feel it, they don't, they're they not aware, but it's also sometimes people are aware, but they don't know how to express it, or they feel that they don't have the right to express mm-hmm. it. So those are two different things. Uh, but for both uh, those uh, situations, it can be very helpful to realize that these signals are there, they're here to tell you something, and you have the right to speak up about these things. So, yeah, and, and it will in the end, if you have thinking and the feeling and the the acting in one line, then this will be uh, a recipe for, for feeling healthy, for feeling like there is good energy in your body. Like if you feel no, you can say no and also do no, right? Yes. And, and even if you, like sometimes... It's not even the case that you need to say no all the time or say yes all the time, like you can also choose like your body is saying no, but there are still rational reasons to do it. You could still do it, but then you will know how it feels for you instead of ignoring
0: yes, yes, you're aware, oh yeah, being yeah. aware, yeah, yeah, you have some sort of agency,
1: yeah, yes
0: but you also work with touch you also touch people right yes
1: yes yes so that's the other thing that i do um this is called position bepaling uh and i also use affective touch that's um mainly on the back so someone will lie on the uh the bench or how is it called in yeah uh, yeah bang yeah bed. let's say a bed. And then um, by being touched on the back is a, a very direct way of becoming more in touch with your inner feelings. Because the skin is the is the, the most direct uh form of, of contact and connection between people. And so if you are sort of uh less aware of how you feel, being touched will uh help you get back to that it will help you uh, reconnect maybe to a very simple uh, answer to the question, how does this feel to you? Is that the touch of my hand on your back? Is it giving you too much pressure or is it actually a very comforting feeling? And also sometimes the body sort of keeps the score of how you've been feeling for a while. And if you have been ignoring it, in those sessions where you're, where I touch your back, it will surface. So you will become more aware of the things that have been bothering you, or maybe you have put away, could be old feelings also that finally get space and, and, and get room to air, to breathe. And
0: yeah. Beautiful. I'm really imagining it. Yeah. This touch <laughs> of And what it can do, right? Yes, release a lot of emotions. That's it how I can. imagine
1: it. Yeah, it can. And, and you know how sometimes when someone you know, maybe you can relate, will put a hand on your shoulder. And sometimes it will feel comforting or it will feel supportive. But sometimes it can also feel like, ah, you'd better take mm-hmm. that away, you know? Like, I feel like you're pushing me or you want me to do something or you you need something from me. So these very subtle differences... Yeah, it's very, very. uh, Yeah, sometimes it sounds vague, but it's actually very concrete. Like actually very true. How how something feels for you. Yes.
0: No. It doesn't sound vague to me at all. No. (laughs) No. Because a a lot, a lot of uh, of like what you said, our body and our mind are not separated, and a lot of our pain or sadness or insecurities is stored in our body. And I always say our body remembers. And why did you decide to study this? Like, what happened? What happened?
1: Yeah, that's a really nice question. Um, um, I uh, was working. I had a, um, an office job. I was uh, working as a um, uh, sort of case manager or job coach for um, actors, dancers, musicians at the, the, the governmental institution where they give you the... the well, unemployment. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. The benefits. Yeah. The benefits. And uh I, I went to this career counselor there because it was offered to everyone. If you wanna have an uh like a, an open mind, if you want to talk about your career, you can ha- have a meeting with her. And so I did. And she asked me, So, Esther, are you done learning or are you done developing? And this question really hits me because i realized that i was way not done (laughs) learning and developing and she asked me what 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 made an impression on you um and i actually the first thing i i thought back to was my own therapist my own hypnotherapist oh you were already doing it yourself oh i went there a few times like uh maybe eight sessions uh and it was already a few years ago but i realized that um because I studied psychology um, at the university and I finished it too. And I was very clear after that that I didn't want to become a psychologist because I felt that I was not certain enough of myself to know what the other person would need. Like I felt like, who am I to be a psychologist, to to think that I know what is right for you? And the biggest difference to me back then, I think psychology already changed a lot. But back when I was in, in university, uh, I felt like you had to sort of be the professional somehow. And in the the nicest part is that I'm not the person to know what is right for you, but I am going to walk alongside with you so that you can discover what is right for you and this has has really uh changed my view on being a therapist so i don't have to know the answers all i have to do is be present ask the questions and and observe and feel with the person like what is happening here do you feel like this maybe it's this like how do you feel and that um that is the reason why i did feel comfortable with Hoptotherapy. Instead of
0: psychology. Yeah. Nice. So a person asked you a question and you changed everything. Yes. incredible yes. Well, yeah, it took it's four actually years, but. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> yeah. it's actually what you do now, right? You ask people questions and yes. you might change something in them. Yes.
1: If you feel like it. Yeah. Not because I want you to, yeah. but because maybe it strikes a chord,
0: right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And Esther, I want to talk now about racism as a cause of trauma. Yes. And um, yes, racism is very often the cause of trauma. However, white therapists, because they haven't really experienced it, um, often fail to recognize racism as uh, yeah the cause of trauma, even though it has been, of course, scientifically proven. Because um, like I, I read once an article and the article said inequality is stored in the body cells. And I want to know what you do as a practitioner, when you work with your patients, of course, with mostly people of color or people with a migrant background, to not deny this reality?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very, very important question. And I think uh, every white therapist should ask themselves this question. Um, And I think it begins with understanding that, um, that it exists with truly, truly, knowing your uh, your history and your facts and reading about uh, what it means to, to, for example, be racially profiled. Like, what does it really mean to have these things happen to you? And I, I think that to listen to these stories is the, the beginning. Like, we have to listen, and then we have to listen again, and then have to listen again. I had a client once, and she told me that in order to not, um, hurt the feelings of, for example, an elderly couple walking in the streets, she would cross the street. She's black. She would cross the street in order to not make them feel uncomfortable. And I realized that this is something that I, that I've never had to do because I'm white. I have blonde hair. And I never get like at customs, at airports, I never get taken aside. I I just can walk through and I never have to walk the street in order to make someone feel better or, or make, or let, let them keep, keep them feeling safe. Right. To, to sort of avoid, um, uncomfortable feeling with the other person. So listening to these stories and I don't think I've, I've, I'm done listening. I, st- I still don't know uh, half of it, I think. Um, so, yeah, listen, listen, listen. And then, yeah, of course, also in hypnotherapy, in I think it's, it can be so healing to to experience this effective touch uh, to, on a bodily level, uh, feel that you are Okay that you are safe. And this is something that cannot happen in one session or maybe not even in four or five sessions, but to start to explore the bodily sensation of being safe. I am allowed to be here. I am okay. And to get positive experiences to sort of try to, yeah, invite the body to get used to feeling safe. Even though I... I am very much aware that there is still racism So uh, every day for a lot of people. So, yeah, if it can only be a, a, at least a start of feeling safe, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yes, yes,
0: it does. Kind of to recondition the body and yeah. internalize different feelings. Because I also saw that you read a lot about racism yes. and um, that you also collaborate with Uh, a haptotherapist who is a woman of color, right? Yes. That she also, um, or that you work together to, um, yeah. And and I thought that's, that's a really good step that you are doing this, that you're aware of it.
1: I am so happy that she was willing to talk to me because um, I realized that almost all haptotherapists are white. And um, I really think that this is not good. (laughs) Um, And, I contacted Monique and she's uh, the only black ther- help the therapist that I know of. And at first she was a bit hesitant because this is a very big subject. And mm-hmm. in the end, she decided to do, to to uh, make a podcast episode with me about it. And we had a very um, a beautiful conversation, like making first steps in exploring this subject. Like what does it mean to be black? And also what does it mean to be a black client going to a white therapist and what does it mean for her to be a black therapist and yeah we try to in a very respectful way we try to connect and um, I'm actually one of the things that it has achieved this conversation and I'm extremely happy for that is that the institution that I went to study hypnotherapy? they decided to make this episode a, a mandatory part of the first year. So I think that is very nice because I I still believe that white therapists and students of 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 hypnotherapy that they don't know like they 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 may think they know about racism but I'm I really I'm really not sure if they truly know so to have them in the first year listen to this conversation with Monique is I think a very good thing.
0: Incredible, yes. I mean, I grew up. If I may share some. Personal story yes, please. of myself. Yeah. I, I grew up in Germany as a child with a migrant background, as they call, as they call us. I don't know, whatever. And I realized many, many, many years later that a lot of the pain that I felt and a lot of the trauma that I had was actually because of the racism that I had experienced. But I only realized when I started homeopathy and I talked to my homeopath, and that was in Greece. And that he's he said to me, your trauma started there when the wow. racism started. Yeah. And I was like, wow, because I had asked for some help before when I was in Germany, but it was a white German woman who in the end also didn't want to work with me. Oh. And after talking to her for quite a while, to be honest, but then she didn't want it anymore. And um, yeah, and it took me many, many years to realize that that was one of the root causes, let's say. Yeah. And um yeah, and That's I think awful. if if you haven't experienced it or if you are not aware of it, you will also not use it when you are doing any sort of therapy, it can be psychology, haptotherapy, homeopathy, coaching, whatever. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, yes. you really have to open your eyes for it because otherwise you you can miss it. Yeah. And um I've read there is one article on the website Oneworld. It's in Dutch, but it's extremely helpful. It has been very helpful for me. And it's uh, one of the sentences in there is that it is interrelational trauma. Yeah. So it gets into the body even deeper. Like you could always, almost. Well, this is a weird thing to say, but it's what stated in the the website in the on the article. Almost better have a nature event or an earthquake or something like that. Instead of the interrelational thing, because it affects you on a personal level so big. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of unsafety is so big. So yeah, we should really be, as therapists, take our responsibility to read about it, to listen, to ask again. and realize, maybe even yeah. say
0: how sometimes also when you asked maybe for a presentation or to, to do something that, like I've, I was asked the other day to present somewhere and I asked, Am I the only presenter? Who else will be there? Who, like, where are these people coming from? And maybe also as a haptotherapist in your case, say, you know what? There's Monique. And I think you would be better with her than with me. Yes. Like also knowing your position and your place and also giving other people. Yes. Let's say the the space to to do it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So true.
0: Yeah. And uh, Esther, you said already that you have a daughter Charlie that she's almost eight and uh, of course um, I want to know now I ask this question often when I have people who have children yeah I want to know a specific example of how you raise your daughter something that is very important to you in her upbringing that you find really crucial yes that's a nice question
1: and it really um Um, it is in line with what I do as a, as a optotherapist, because one of the things that I really like to, uh, to let her know is that what she is feeling is true or is okay. Um, for example, if she, if she's angry, I, I, ideally it doesn't, I don't, I don't always succeed. Let me be honest, but ideally I would like her to stay angry until she's done being angry. Uh, until the body says, okay, I'm done now. It's okay now. So instead of saying, oh, you're overreacting or you've cried long enough now, uh, it's time to get over it or whatever. I try uh, to, to let her go through those emotions and become familiar with them so that she can deal with them actually. Because you know how, I think this is maybe also a generation thing, but maybe people from our parents' generations, they used to say, ah, it's not that bad, or other people have it worse than you, or uh, be strong, um, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Suck it up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Asking you to be stronger than, than what you're actually feeling at that moment. And it makes you feel that the feeling that you're having, it makes you feel like you're not good enough. So I cannot feel this way. When I feel this way, I'm not good enough. And I think, yeah, that's what one of the things that I would like to help her with, sort out that the feelings that you have, that you're experiencing, that they have a right to be there.
0: Yeah, and also this idea, right, that crying means you're weak. Yeah, that's one of like, the things, yeah. You're yeah. not, you're just expressing your emotions, Yeah. 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 That's very, very powerful. I, I, I try this also with, with my children, especially Does with the anger. Does it work? <laughs> um, of course, like what you said at the beginning, sometimes you're not in the mood of dealing with this anger because you are like... You have, have to, to move here. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I try to do, and actually a lot lately, to help them, like what you described, go through the anger and uh, not to tell them, shut up or be quiet or stop now but to help them get out of it but in in a very subtle way like in in a very nice way and then sometimes they will come and they will say oh mom I'm so sorry that I behaved like this and I say listen it's okay everybody gets angry it's I also get angry like yeah to make them also understand you don't need to be you don't need to feel guilty about it or shameful or something yes so this is what I'm working with them right now but of course they're also Sometimes when they get angry, it depends who is there and how your anger affects others so that they also understand, yeah, you can get angry, but you're still living with people and sometimes you might hurt them through your behavior. So it d- depends. But yeah, it's something I, uh, I focus on a lot right now. Is there a book that you're reading right now or um, yes, or something that you feel like if I share it with my with the listeners, it will take them somewhere, a book that had an impact on me?
1: Yeah, so um, I just had the book in the in the mail today, and it's actually about our topic uh, about racism. Um, it's the handbook of racism by Chanel Lodig. Let me—I hope I'm saying it correctly—but um, and I've only read the, the first two pages, so I can't uh, really say anything about it yet. But um, I'm eager to read it, and that is... that related
0: is- to the reasons we mentioned earlier yes yeah
1: yeah and it's it's also um, a subject very relevant to me like white privilege yeah uh, white tears mm-hmm. making it all about the white person which is something that i may also do like even now i don't know so yeah i have lots of things to learn still yeah
0: and esther who has been your soul? who has inspired you here you can mention more than one person than, oh thank god no <laughs>
1: Um, who has inspired me? Well, there is one lady and it's not a famous person or someone you can find on Instagram, but it was my, uh, former boyfriend's mother. Mm -hmm. And she was, uh, a very bright person, very strong, very in touch with herself. And she really invited me to come forward. And I, I think that that has been very inspiring for me. She said, Well, Esther, of course you can do that. like almost being uh, so sure of what I could do that she really said, oh, of course, yes, you can go um, do this or do that. Like whatever it was I had in mind when I was feeling insecure. I only had to look at her and I was like, oh yeah, maybe I can actually do that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So that is someone who really inspired me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's a long time ago. I I've, like it. I, yeah, it's it's already, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, but I still remember. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And to whom do you want to pass the salt? Right. What do you um, have to say? I have what I have to say. I thought about it, and I also thought about um, uh, ha- it having to be a black person or um, someone with an, a different background. Um, so I really did some research and then I also thought about the subjects that are important to me now. So I was, I couldn't really choose very well, but I will just continue talking and then you decide. Mm -hmm. But, um, there is one lady, she's called Denise Baumkons. I don't know if you've heard about her. She is running a website and an Instagram account and it's called Anne Bloom. Okay. And uh, she just uh, she's a photographer and she just published a book and it's called The Art The Art of Aging Unapologetically. And it's a very relevant subject for me because I'm now 45, I'm going to be 46 next year. And I feel like in in social media and everything that there could be more representation of women over 40. And she's doing exactly that. Women of all backgrounds, color, um, clothes, uh, weights, whatever, like every sort of type of women are in that book pictured in a very beautiful way. And I love this idea. I really love it.
0: You put it on your Instagram. Yes, I did. Because I say I know this title. I saw it somewhere. Yeah. So I have to say I just Googled it. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's the book she put on Instagram.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yes. I find it so inspiring. And also because I have been feeling a little bit weird about becoming older. It's It seems like the last couple of months I started to realize, wow, my youth is actually going to go away. And it makes me feel sad. So I I feel like I need something to look to in the future, something to 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 have. Um, yeah, how do you say a perspective that that grow, growing older is not only losing something; it can also mean gaining something. And that book really really strikes a chord with me.
0: So you actually want to also inspire others to read that book or walk that journey like in the way you you are walking it now
1: yeah if it's relevant i don't know if if your listeners yeah. are are if, if it's relevant to them but to me it is i feel yeah. like also my my cycle is changing a little bit yeah and i'm i'm getting yeah i don't know the body is changing and um we should we should actually be proud of of becoming older instead of uh of, well i i tend to look at my 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 face and i'm like wow i'm actually getting older and i don't like it <laughs> but yeah she's invited people to look at it in a whole different way
0: wow beautiful i'm actually now okay that's what i always like about my podcast when things happen freestyle um because it's also <laughs> a, a subject that i've been very much interested in and uh i'm gonna read a poem now actually um by Rupi Kaur that um i'm planning to post Probably next week. And it says, give me laugh lines and wrinkles. I want proof of the jokes we shared. Engrave the lines into my face like the roots of a tree that grow deeper with each passing year. I want sunspots as souvenirs for the beaches we laid on. I want to look like I was never afraid to let the world take me by the hand and show me what it's made of. I want to leave this place knowing I did something with my body, other than trying to make it look perfect. Wow! Yeah. So that really is in line with what you just shared. To that's me, at giving least.
1: me that's giving me goosebumps. Yeah. yeah.
0: I will send it Beautiful. to you.
1: Yes. <laughs> so you can read do. it as well. Yeah.
0: Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for being so uh, honest. <laughs> <laughs> and. Do you have a question for me? I mean you must have a question for me. So yes,
1: yes I do. Um Prize. I was of course looking at your website and reading everything that you said there. And um you wrote that you love having deep conversations with people. And
0: I'm so curious, where did you get that love from? <laughs> to have conversations with people or well, deep conversations, yeah. <laughs> I don't like small talk, I don't like superficial things. Why not? I don't know. I mean I like to connect with people and connecting to me means I'm interested in you. I'm interested in what you have to say. I'm interested in your story. And of course, it has to be mutual. It's not always mutual and that's also okay. But small talk makes me really, um, it tires me, you know, I used to, my previous work, um, I had to go to a lot of conferences and receptions and meetings. And of course, these things are characterized by small talk and being a little bit superficial and also sometimes oh who is he how can he help me who is she you know and it was really extremely tiring for me because I really like to connect I really like to learn from others Yeah, this story I mean it can be anything I'm not I don't mean you need to tell me all your life story eh? or your secrets no it can be anything like what we did today is so meaningful to me yeah. I learned so much from you and I I this is what makes me happy, what energizes me, what gives meaning to me, that we come together, we share things with each other, we share special moments. So when I realized that this was one of the reasons why my job would kind of bother me, I said, okay, I have two options. Either I sit here and complain or I change it. So from that moment onwards, my meetings were different. Um, If I went to a conference and I didn't feel like changing business cards with 25 people, I would just talk to two, but have like proper conversations, you know? And, um, yeah, for me, for me, it's really crucial. I'm, I, I want to hear who are you, where are you coming from? You learn so much and I love listening. I'm a very good listener. So yeah. And also from a very young age, I must say that people always trusted me and they would come to share their secrets with me or ask for advice or just come and cry on me or something. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's a combination of of everything. Yeah. And um, it feels yeah. like
1: it's natural to you also.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, totally. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's a nice question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are actually at the end of our conversation. And I usually or actually I always honor a woman at the end of my podcast, but today I want to honor something else, and that is platonic love and platonic intimacy, and personal connections. Because I feel that often touch is associated with an erotic relationship. And I feel that, not I feel, I believe we should touch each other more or show more love to each other, because of course not everybody likes to be touched, but also in our friendships, and our platonic relationships, let's say. And uh, I saw a quote the other day online that really resonated with me. And I think it fits well into today's conversation. And I hope once I read it out, it will be clear what I mean. Mm -hmm. It says, and I made one little change in one word, kiss your friends faces more, destroy the belief that intimacy must be reserved for erotic relationships, be more loving, embrace platonic intimacy, embrace vulnerability, use emotionality as a radical tactic against a society which teaches you that emotions are a sign of weakness. Tell more people you care about them. Hold their hands. Tell others you are proud of them. Offer support readily. Take care of the people around you. And this is how I want to finish our conversation today. I think it covers many things we touched upon.
1: It does. It's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I couldn't find the author of it, but... So I cannot credit her or him or they. So yes. But yeah, thank you, Esther. It has been a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. Likewise. I love
0: being a guest here. And uh, thank you for having me. Yes. And yeah, thank you to everybody for listening. I will, of course, share everything about Esther on my Instagram. And yeah, if you've been enjoying this episode, share it with others. If people are interested in haptotherapy. And you're in Amsterdam, you can check out Esther. If you're somewhere else, Google. Maybe there's a haptotherapist in your area. Or maybe you even want to become a haptotherapist. Like, you never know. So, yes. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Saliari and this is Solve the Podcast. Solve the Podcast.